let's go off into the world of crime where we have the most fun. Um, I'm going to use some of these. Some are not so good or bad, uh, but the most notorious, heinous, and downright idiotic crimes committed in American states. We'll start with A, of course. Um, in, uh, in Alabama in 1988, the KKK burned a giant cross at 150 degrees Fahrenheit, which exceeded the state's legal temperature by 30 degrees. That was not good. Okay. Uh, in Alaska in 89, serial killer Ernest Underwood, attempting a murdering spree, drove 200 miles and did not encounter a single victim leaving him oh. empty-handed. <laughs> in 1863, the territory of Arizona was established on tribal lands. Enough said. <laughs> mm-hmm. In 2011, a public school in Arkansas was caught using funds for teachers' salaries. What? Dang it. <laughs> in California, Crash wins Best Picture <laughs> over Brokeback Mountain and Capote at the Academy Awards. In Colorado, John Benet Ramsey gets killed in a Colorado State beauty pageant by over 30 points. It's just wrong. In, uh, in Delaware, with more corporations in Delaware than people, there is definitely nothing fishy going on there. Uh, in Florida, one of the worst crimes ever, the wacky fan boat heist of 1931, and also the Challenger explosion. Oh. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, the 1909 uh, Savannah Axe murders scandalized the entire state until it was revealed that the city's black community had nothing to do with them. Oh. <laughs> In Hawaii, which of course doesn't belong on the list, hotels charge guests fifteen dollars for a little thingy of dang macadamia nuts. Come on. <laughs> in Idaho, in nineteen thirty six, a local farmer was arrested for massive potato fraud after selling hundreds of brown painted rocks at market. <laughs> That's just not right. (laughs) These are crimes in various states of America. Uh, In Indiana, 1936, a man murdered his wife and eight others in what was Arctic afternoon. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I'll skip that one. Kansas. Mark Ellsworth, a local guy that sold... So Land was arrested for breaking a Kansas law that states that no structure shall stand higher than any stalk of corn. It's against the law. It's a bad crime. <laughs> I'm going to skip Kentucky because that one isn't funny. Um, Louisiana, eh, let's see. Maine. Most of their state was stolen from Canada and nobody noticed. Uh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Not even Canada. Uh, let's see. Let's skip that one. Uh, skip that one. Some are great. Some are not. This one is Michigan. Somebody from Royal Oak claimed they were from Detroit. That's a crime. (laughs) And, uh, screw the pack. Mississippi. Yeah. They, they say that old man Hicks went funny back in 83 (laughs) and put his whole family in the thresher one by one. But he don't talk much, and we don't ask him. <laughs> Missouri, nicknamed the Show Me State. The entire state appears to be admitting to something really gross. <laughs> That's good. In Montana, oil magnate Harold Ham arrested in Glacier National Park for hunting humans without a license. Can't do that. No. Uh, in Nebraska, worst crime ever committed. It involved a man and a cow. Do you really want to know more? <laughs> um, let's see. In Nevada, with uh, 164 
thousand slot machines. Nevada boasts the biggest amount of elder abuse in the country. <laughs> um, let's see that one. Eh. New Jersey. It just fell out of the back of a truck. What do you want from me? That's funny. <laughs> uh, in a horrific rights violation in New Mexico, three unnamed individuals have been held captive near Roswell since 1947. Oh. Hmm. Uh, for New York, check the source material for some of the weirder SVU episodes. <laughs> That's pretty good. Funny. Um, I'll skip that one. North Dakota. Frankly, the fact that North and South Dakota are both states is a crime against the rest of the country. Uh, and that's kind of hard, hard to argue with. Uh, uh, in Ohio, on one hand, the Kent State Massacre was one of the worst acts committed by the U.S. against its own people. On the upside, it, inspired, it did um, um, inspire a pretty great song by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, which was, was written by Joni Mitchell. Um, this goes on, and it is... It's, um, is Tennessee funny? Let me get down to Tennessee, because it, it was funny. Some of these are... Uh, let's see. Don't know what that means. Rhode Island and 84,000 of, of uh, termites were placed under arrest for destroying the uh, foundation of one <laughs> of the, the, the Newport mansions. South Carolina... The entire state has been in an uproar since 1991 when Mrs. Carson's hog, Violet, was robbed of first place at the county fair. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> uh, South Dakota is worthless. Here's Tennessee. All right. This is a biggie. Okay. In 1970, Elvis Presley perpetuated the biggest fraud in the U.S. up to that point when he met President Richard Nixon and pretended not to be into drugs. <laughs> oh, now that's pretty damn good. So those are some some crimes that we haven't really ever heard of before uh, <laughs> that um, have gone on around us. Elvis, that's one of the best stories. One of the there's a there is a pretty funny movie about it. There's a book about it, um, and the stories told by those that were with him at the time are classic um, most of the guys didn't talk about it but he'd been up for something like three days mm. and had been in Los Angeles and on an airplane had this vision he was going to go and meet Richard Nixon unannounced at the White House and the guy said we, we, you, we just can't do that E you, you, you don't just you know pull up there and say hey I'm here he says, I'm Elvis Presley, and we're going. Well, he'd been up for a couple of days, I guess, just high as a kite. And um, I can't recall whose book that was in. Uh, but he did, but he uh, described Elvis that day as wearing a purple uh, velour suit and uh, so much makeup, he appeared to be a woman. And they got to D.C., got a limo, Pulled up to the White House little you know garden gate there, yeah. where there's eighteen thousand cops, mm -hmm. and they rolled down the window and the guy said yes and uh, tell the president that Elvis Presley is here. And so they say, uh, hang on please. At the time, Nixon had a really bad image, image or image among young people, bad bad image. So they call Dick and they say, uh, listen, this sounds weird. But Elvis Presley and his boys are at the front gate, and they want to come and see you. And Nixon talked to somebody and said, send him in. And the story that comes after is even better, that they kind of hung out and talked. Elvis sat down um, in Nixon's uh, chair, went through his desk, took some pens, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then Dick gave him a badge making him oh, yeah. uh, an F, a, 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 a DEA agent, mm -hmm. which he carried with him proudly. He was armed at the time, too, I think, but no one bothered to check. Ah, uh, Elvis, how much we yeah. miss you. 
Man. Crazy, crazy, <laughs> crazy boy. Unbelievable. This this gentleman um, who I've never seen seen been anything but but reasonable and sensible and uh, unflappable in the face of the stock market and all this other nonsense. The things that he does and the money he moves around and what he buys and sells uh, are watched, I think, by a lot of people. And uh, there are others like him, but nobody seems to have the cool and the averageness like your old grandpa that Warren Buffett does. I don't know how much he's worth. Uh, let's see. Oh, only $78 billion. Oh, so, gosh. Poor him. So people like that knob Elon Musk have twice as much money as Warren Buffett does. Do you think that Warren gives a darn? I would say no. Not a uh, He has made himself the way he is by living a very conservative, frugal lifestyle, which I think is very impressive in a day and time when people buy 18, 19 cars and have four houses and three yachts. This is why he's rich. And this is why he is respected. He bought a house in 1958. He lives in the same house. Oh, wow. In Omaha, Nebraska. He bought the house for 31.5, and that uh, right now would be worth about $285,000. Um, 6,000 square foot home, and it's now worth about 161 per square foot. He bought this average-looking home. That's where he stays. For breakfast in the morning, in lieu of having the butler roll in a table of coffee, orange juice, and some big you know, layout, you know what Warren does? He goes by McDonald's for an Egg McMuffin. Really? Uh, <laughs> and when um, the bacon, egg, and cheese uh, thing is on sale, he'll buy that for 3 bucks 89 cents. If the market's down... He'll spend three bucks and nineteen cents on a sausage, egg, and cheese. Uh, you know, just the the thing that's on you know toast. That is a difference of seventy cents. That's how he does things. On a really bad day, he'll buy two sausage patties for two thirty-eight, and he has a Coke that he pours himself. He is known to be cheap on the road when he's out of town traveling. He will eat eggs for breakfast at some restaurant and, and or a pack of Oreos. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But basically, he, this guy, says Bill Gates before he turned it in, uh, he has ruined his image. He's just a man whore and a pig. Um, he wrote that he dined once with, uh, with this man and he likes the kind of food he did as a child. Uh, Gates wrote, he did move past baby food, thanks, but he mostly eats hamburgers, ice cream, and drinks Cokes. God. He's not out eating tartar and all that other crap. Uh, he buys reduced price used cars. Doesn't buy big cars, doesn't want them. Uh, he'll buy one for about 4,000 miles a year is all he drives. And when that one gets gets tired out, he buys a new one. No new cars. Um, he enjoys affordable hobbies. His biggest hobby is playing bridge. Oh, my goodness. He said, right. if somebody that was naked walked by, I wouldn't even notice. He's too engrossed <laughs> in, in his playing bridge. Uh, he treats his friends well, but not extravagantly. He doesn't give out cars as gifts or boats or anything. He's just a good friend, which most of us would take any day over some dumb gift. He used a, a, a Nokia flip phone for the longest time until he finally broke down and got an iPhone. In the past, he's been given a number of Apple iPhones, one of them by uh, Steve Jobs, one by Tim Cook, but he uses his flip, his 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 a flip phone until it broke, and then he had to go the other route, and you know become part of that the devil crowd that uses Apple, like said. Um, he he does not splurge on designer suits. If you see men these days, um, 
Uh, there's nothing better than a well-cut, well-made suit on a man. And yes, I've worn suits. I have tuxedos. I don't just always wear shorts and t-shirts because why shouldn't I? Uh, but he does not go and spend four and five grand or 10 grand on a suit. He wears suits that are made by a lady uh, who is a sewing entrepreneur named uh, Madame Lee, who he met in 07 in China. He says they fit perfectly and uh, I wear them and I'll just keep wearing them because she makes them to last and the quality is what he is looking for in a nice suit. This old man who is worth all this money and is so simple clips coupons. All right. That's great. The dude plays bridge and clips coupons and eats at McDonald's. And you wonder why he's got all that money. That's there. He's worked in the same office building, same office for more than 50 years. He wow. has not been inclined to go buy some penthouse with all windows and be that, you know, be, be that guy. Same place, 50 years, same home. He thinks outside the box to save money. Uh, when he had his first child, he did not want to spend money on a crib. The kid was raised in a dresser drawer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Lay your ass down here and hush. Um, and then they had their second child. He did, he did not buy a crib. He borrowed one. <laughs> you only need it for so well, long, so that makes right. isn't isn't that That's a something? Thing. He and wow. he uh, the the last one here is a Mr. Buffett. Uh, he, he just values his friendships over material things. You can't buy health, and you can't buy love, says Warren Buffett. Uh, he's he plays golf. He's a member of any club that he wants to be, and. Um, but he plays mainly at the same course all the time with the same friends he's had for decades. He doesn't awesome. care about cars. His, his goal is to not make anybody envious. He just doesn't care about all this money. He emphasizes his family. I How love about that guy. Good for him. Yeah. That's why this guy is so respected because he's not a flamboyant douche who's trying to get to Mars um, and be a little Martian brain man. Um, he does. He isn't a cheater like Bill Gates, who has proven to be a complete effing knob. And um, he's Warren Buffett, and I I think he's uh, got a, a a proud family. His son Jimmy has done very well for himself, and um, so good for him. And Jimmy, oh God, it took me a minute. <laughs> Stupid. Me, he wrote you. some great songs inspired by his daddy. On, so on a, I think mean, that's pretty damn cool. On a side note, one of my brother's friends went to Woodstock in a dresser drawer. Why? <laughs> was he a baby? His, yes, he was a baby. His parents <laughs> took him. How, how did they get the, that uh, chest of drawers into Woodstock? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to call him. His, uh, well, we need answers I guess they here. were just so cool because they named him Jude after Hey Jude. <laughs> a lot of people did that. There are a number of Judes out there based upon that song that mm -hmm. was originally called Not Hey Jude, but answer please. Um, Wes, you don't know? Jules. It was called Hey Julian. It was written oh, for wow. John Lennon's son. Jude it was called Hey Julian. You know, uh, I, I it, totally blanked for a minute and just I, my brain zeroed in on that movie that came out, uh, was it last yes. year? Uh, <laughs> yes, where yesterday. They yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. And, uh, and, and it should be "Hey, dude." Yeah, "Hey, dude." Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran is in this scene, and he and he's trying to to uh, convince the guy that the, that the song "Hey, Jude" sounds stupid. It should be called "Hey, Dude." <laughs> I remember that movie. <laughs> oh man, Ed Sheeran, just 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 go somewhere else. <laughs> Who has something else out there over there? I have these tweets that perfectly sum up marriage. Awesome. Oh, this should be good. This is good. There were hundreds of these. I went through and selected about eight that I just think are the best ones. This one starts with, my wife set parental controls on Netflix because I watched a show without her. 
<laughs> this is this is important. You have you agree to watch a show together, you gotta watch it together. Okay. This one from Eli says, I guess we're in our 30s because we just got a new vacuum and my husband and I are fighting over who gets to use it first. <laughs> well, oh that's God, pretty cool. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you know how much vacuums cost these days? I'm afraid to uh, ask. If you get one of well, the super good ones, it's three grand. What? Well, no. That, really? I mean, that's a little bit much. I, um, I bought one probably over 10 years ago, which... We made work. For, uh, I, we didn't make dick work. My, my, my wife did. Um, to get one that is competent and that will work and is flexible, mm, seven eight hundred bucks probably, or three or four. Because if you go cheap, it's going to break in a month. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just funny when you don't buy stuff for a long time, then you go to see how much it cost. You go, oh man, what happened? I, I think ours was a present because. And, and it's an auric and it's really good and but they offer once a year you take it into them and they clean it and you know do oh, whatever nice. they probably take it apart and put it back together and but then we kind of slacked off and we were doing it every two years but then they still did it and it still works and I think we've had it at least 15 years or something well I tell or, you the yeah. biggest issue with that is when you have an, uh, this house like we do full of animals that shed uh-huh. like uh, oh, it's yeah. This, this poor woman has to, she vacuums almost every day, every rug, all the furniture. It's it's just ridiculous. All right, Wes, more. Uh, this one says, I asked my husband to bring me my phone, and he brought it with the charger, and I now know the true meaning of love. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's pretty Yappy good. Yapperton. Simon says, we put new shelves in the garage and have talked for three days about what a game changer they are. This is peak <laughs> marriage. That's been there. That's really the truth. That's really true. (laughs) This one from Dan says, my wife can give the finger with her eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, that's that's really the truth. That's really the truth. This woman says, the secret to a successful marriage is to marry one who matches your values, your principles, and your thermostat settings. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's true. Yep, that's way true. Just put on more clothes and shut up. Yeah, that's why I get yelled at in the wintertime. She's wearing sweatpants and a and a sweatshirt, and I'm wearing a, a, a pair of shorts. And she and and, and I bitch because I'm cold. Well, dumbass, put some clothes on. You know. From uh, Rodney, he says, "My wife and I are at that age where foreplay is just us describing things we'd probably do to each other if we weren't so achy and tired." <laughs> Oh my God, that's great! Yeah, and, and you know that is that is so sadly the case. But um, um, I don't know, man. Just just enjoy it while it's there because you know things do evolve, and uh, <laughs> at least talking more. about it is like kind of a turn on. Uh, <laughs> Grant says, "My wife asked me what sounds good for dinner." So I said, I don't know. What sounds good to you? And she responded, I'm up for whatever. And now it's been a week and we're slowly dying of hunger. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. That is one of the things uh, that mine, uh, what do you want to eat for dinner? Or what do you want? Just like, like any question that requires a little bit of thought. And the answer is, I don't know. And it's, she's not being <laughs> ugly. She, she just doesn't know. And so either we don't eat or we figure something out and we have, you know, bread and soup and water. (laughs) Growing up, who knew that one of the challenges of adulthood was figuring out something to eat for dinner every single day? Every freaking night. That was the day, though, when it was not looked down upon, I don't guess. And you weren't too, you know, white, white trashy. If you ate, you know, TV dinners about three times a week, because your mom just did not want to fool with it, mm-hmm. and your dad sure wasn't going to do it. Um, I'm trying to think back to the times when it was just me, me and my boys. They would eat anything, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. but they would especially they would eat pop tarts uh, day or night. Very good for their insides. Very very healthy. Uh, they would eat pizza. They would eat chicken nuggets. They would. Yeah, that's that's end of list. Um, I, I well, the pizza very very finicky. 
very fitting. Put almost anything on a pizza, and yeah. it's still pizza. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it is. I'm trying to think what else they would eat, but they were pretty finicky. Um, but I guess all kids are so. Yes, to some. And they grow extent. up to be adults, and they're still finicky. So. It, <laughs> it just makes happens. you. It makes you really appreciate if your mom cooked a lot or your grandmother like mine. Exactly. It makes you appreciate that because I sure don't. And me and my husband does, or we do it together. But sometimes we're just like, okay, we're not cooking tonight. We'll just go get something. Yeah, yeah. we we um, we eat a lot of chicken. And I mean, I'm going to start growing feathers around this house. <laughs> it's, we eat a lot of chicken because it, it'll work with anything. Yep. And it's it, it is also convenient as heck. But, you know, because you know, sometimes you know she she's a fine cook and makes elaborate meals, and they're, and, and they're very nice. We had one of those uh, services uh, that brought meals once a week, mm-hmm. to but they suddenly got out of control with with their price, and I said, oh, you know what, I, I I am not paying, you know, seventy five bucks for what used to be you know forty two. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, so we buy things for the week. And sometimes we just have a, she makes a pizza. We don't buy pizza out. She makes it right here. Yeah. If you have, you know, some, you know, ground chuck or ground beef, you can always make tacos. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have, so good. We, or a spaghetti is always a winner. And I eat this, some kind of veggie pasta and it tastes just the same. Mm-hmm. And so those two things, if you have ground beef and a taco kit and some pasta, there's two nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other nights, there's some kind of stuff she's been buying in these bags, and it's all this this hippie, uh, healthy stuff like you know quinoa and uh, pieces of broccoli and all that stuff mm-hmm. in a bag. You get a a piece of chicken, put that bitch on that George Foreman grill, and dinner <laughs> is done, dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we ha- so that that thing is invaluable. Um, and when it's hot and you don't want to cook, shh, you're done, man. That, George Foreman awesome. Grill and a bag of that hippie food and some chicken, it's over with. I will say this. This house came with a green egg grill. It's oh, and nice. we have We have, very nice. And we have not really learned how to use it yet until we went to get a few accessories for it because it needed a handle because the wood part just came off and then the springs in the back. Which, But you can get everything for these things. To, and it looks new again now. And we, he cleaned it out yesterday really well. I mean, we've used it a few times, but we wanted to start using it more, so we're learning how. And we do beer can chicken usually in the oven, and he did it on the green egg. It was the bomb. I it bet was it was great. Love it. I think that, uh, that men go through a phase. There was a time um, when I would, well, I would... You know, grill, I had uh, two smokers. I would do chickens and turkeys. I would grill all the time. Um, But as time goes by, the lack of interest in doing that really increases. It's just too much damn trouble. And I don't want to fool with it. And it's hot outside enough already. We may have grilled one time last summer. I I just, I have one of those combination, you know, grills and smokers. But I just, I just don't want to fool with it. And there are places that have food already prepared. You can go and like pick it up, <laughs> yeah, which is a really, really novel idea. Um, I don't know. But we always find a way to not starve to death. But these days you can buy, you know, salads that, that are already, you know, pre-made. They're awesome. I have those almost every night. These little things full of fruit that are pre-packaged. They're over, they, they cost too much. But yeah. they're right there, and they're handy. Um, there are so many things that, you, that have made your life easier. Nothing more so than a chicken in a bag that has saved more lives and 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 made more more dinners <laughs> easy. Just heat them up, and you're finished. So there are ways around it, and then on occasion you go out. Maybe now that now that that the world is not going to all die, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how that works out. So, plus you got to always have popsicles. I've found the kind that are yogurt bars, so I could oh, live yummy. on them probably. Yeah. Oh, they're they're fantastic, and no calories hardly at all. I live on yogurt. Um, 
and fiber bars and crap like that, as long as I have those, you know, staples, I'm cool. And um, everything is going on fine inside my body. What's left of it? Because, I mean, <laughs> if you eat fiber, you're going to be all right. And just sweat oh, yeah. some and eat your fiber, drink a bunch of water full of lemon, and you're going to clean your guts out and your and your kidneys and your everything in you every day. And that's important. And this time of year, especially with this heat, you got to have this water. And lemon water will hydrate you, and it will also run things right out of you that don't need to be there. So that was a very tasteful way I thought of trying to help you be healthy. So Very good. I need to start I the lemon thing. I'm healthy, and I don't know how or why, because I have abused myself for many years. <laughs> uh, but the past 10, I haven't. That's why when I get my blood work done, they go, how are you doing this? Well... It is the simple adage, that I, and I don't believe in a bunch of uh, cliches and adages, but the one that is the absolute truth is you are what you eat. There's no question. If you live on fast food, good luck with that diarrhea every day. Um, uh, and once your body gets attuned to eating right and you stop at the wrong place and eat the wrong stuff, hello, bathroom. How you doing? Mm-hmm. So. It's it, it ain't that hard to do, but it does make your brain work better, make your body work better, and if you work out some and try to at least keep you know some semblance of your girlish figure, which is really hard to do as you get older, you can uh, at least not be a complete lump and a load and be dead on the couch at fifty five years old. So I'm shooting for that though, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm kidding. But anyway, um, this, I believe, shows how entirely out of touch people are with themselves. Unless, well, um, I grew up in the country, in the woods, in the forest. That's why I love nature and love birds and trees. And But I also have a house in this yard that contains bathrooms and all of our stuff and water and food and so I can you know be outside and be in the back and be in be in weeds and trees in the creek and not worry about having to find some you know I'm not going to die back there yeah. I hope um, <laughs> but being out in the woods if you hunt people are you know used to that but if you um, if you think uh, that you can do this I um, the average person thinks they could survive for two weeks in the wilderness, but most of them have no idea how to start a fire. Now, the first answer would be with your lighter. That's if you smoke. <laughs> Nobody carries matches anymore for any reason. But the so if you believe man or woman the uh, the the average American thinks that they are even if most can't start a fire, could find a way to live for 16 days alone in the wilderness. What is the part of getting your Eagle Scout badge that is something like this being tossed out there just to make it, Wes? There are a, a number of merit badges that are required for Eagle that require you to do stuff similar to that. There's not a get thrown out into the wild and your leaders will check up on you in a couple of days sort of event. Right. These days, now it would not surprise me if this were a requirement for Eagle in say 1925 where <laughs> they had merit badges where you literally had to grow an acre of corn and report on it to get this merit badge. But right. these days, there are a lot of camping and backpacking and other outdoors kind of merit badges where you learn the skills that might help you actually survive for uh, two weeks in the wilderness on your own. But that said, I don't know how well I would handle it being an Eagle Scout since 1984. And it would a lot would depend on how much prep time I had and what I could bring along. Okay, well, this uh, survey reveals that um, 17% feel, quote, uh, quite confident in their skills to start a fire with flint. Come on, uh -huh. people. Um, how did Tom Hanks get that fire going in uh, Castaway, which uh -huh. was, of course, a movie? Maybe uh -huh. somebody on the uh, film crew had a bit. <laughs> 
Uh, I know. I can't remember. <laughs> but, he goes crazy when it starts. It's so funny. But he used a stick and something, and you know, back. I, I don't. I don't remember. Years ago, people could do this, it. but I don't know how he did it, and I I don't know that that is even a thing that anybody could accomplish. Fourteen um, percent of of these uh, same people um, are not sure about being able to identify edible plants or berries in nature. I would come not. on, man. You can't. You just don't know what you're eating. If it's poison, uh, over half the poll, however, are confident in that they could ID different types of plants and trees. And so the people that tested these clowns put that to the test and discovered that many weren't quite as knowledgeable as they had claimed. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Only a quarter of them could uh, say, "Yeah, that's a black oak leaf." Uh, Thirty-five percent correctly could spot poison ivy when seeing it in a photo. Only 35? The problem with with a poison ivy and poison oak, um, there's I think there's a one-leaf difference because we have had this stuff back in the back of the yard and we have these invasive vines that grow up these trees and they look like you know poison ivy, but they're not. They're a leaf off of what poison ivy is. So... Um, this outfit named One Pole um, that commissioned this study tested these people on their nature knowledge by showing them photos of common trees and plants. They were most likely to be correct in their IDing of uh, maple leaves and ferns. If you can't tell what a fern is, and most maple leaves are kind of reddish, uh, we have those trees back here. Not all, but some. A third could tell the difference in um, a certain kind of tree uh, the ones that the leaves uh, will fall off annually and those that have needles or scales that don't fall off. Um, so this test, it says, at the end of it all, uh, two-thirds of them said that this this gave them a, 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 a newfound appreciation for the great outdoors. You haven't had that appreciation until they've dumped your ass out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> for 16 days. That's where you get your appreciation. Yeah. Uh, this this uh, pandemic has reminded so many people, which is a positive from this pandemic, how essential nature is to our mental and physical well-being and how dependent we all are on a healthy and thriving natural environment. If you grow up in the city and are tossed out in the woods, most people, uh, j they, they, they just don't enjoy it. Yet there are those that hike and camp and mm -hmm. do this all the time. Um, but people, uh, respond. they said that they enjoy being out in the sunshine and they walk and they run and they garden uh, this past year more than they have ever in their lives. I bet. Um, so that's a positive out of a bunch of folks who were lying and trying to be cocky <laughs> about being able right. to uh, survive for 16 days. You're full of poop. And you could not do it. That's, so let's oh, not even try this because they'll find your rotting corpse in about five years and that'll be sad. So let's just a, not yeah. even go there. That's a long that's, time. And I'm, I was thinking ridiculous. as you were talking about it, I'm like, okay, I think I can identify 12 to 15 kinds of trees. And I know what poison ivy and poison oak look like, but I wouldn't know if I could eat some berry or not. And I hate bugs no. and I like camping. But if I get hot, I turn into a bitch and I whine. And I would, I might, it depend on, depending on the time of year, but I could not start a fire. I know that I could not start a fire. My husband probably could, and he has hiked a with lot a stick, and stuff a lot more I, than, I, than I have, but maybe. If yeah, I, I had some fire Flint, to start maybe. with, I could get a fire going good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if it's already there, with. I could probably if I had not some ruin of the, it. You know, Dura Flame <laughs> logs and a lighter <laughs> lookout, bitch, I'll build you a fire. Uh, yeah. But, I, uh, but no, um, the, there's just the no upside way. is it is very unlikely for anyone in the United States of America to be plunked down into the woods for two weeks and be stuck there, because no. civilization has encroached so much on these wild wooded areas that, unless you're you know hiking someplace and hurt yourself bad and can't walk or you fall into uh, a culvert and you've got broken bones. You, a, a, a good hike will get you back to civilization. 
Well, there are there are people though that you see all the time that got lost someplace, mm-hmm. and they've made it for seven, eight, nine, ten days, and um, somehow did it because the uh, the first issue and the last issue that will face humans on this earth. They always tell you this, and you know, all these people that are into you know survival. There's one thing you've got to have: water. Water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't, you're effed. And so seeing some kind of a stream, ah, oh, look, well, this, this, this is not like some, you know, cowboy film out of the 40s uh, where the water was, you know, clean, most yeah. likely. This could be full of, you know, urine and feces and waste and God knows what. But to find <laughs> any kind of a, you know, of a clean stream. So unless you brought along a case of, you know, Diet Coke, you're just effed. <laughs> um, but this whole thing was a waste of time, except for the part that made people understand yeah. the uh, just the beauties of what's out there if you you know, you know seek it out and uh, but just to garden in your backyard it, there's something about it that's calming and it's therapeutic and anybody can do it so except for Wes he just refuses to do it uh, so um, but I I enjoy it and today my yard probably I mowed it I think Thursday Friday Monday Tuesday. so it's been three days and it's starting to get on my nerves because it's a little bit too long, about an inch. It's probably about an inch long, so I have this urge to go, to go mow it. And um, I may, God, I may not. God, your angle. Three days. Well, I, I really am, <laughs> and I obsess over this stuff, and I edge things, you know, perfectly. And I, but there's always something to do. Always, always, always. So there's never any shortage of things. So before you buy a house, because they have all these trees... Shut up, Dino. Um, realize what you're getting into because it's not something, it, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. So Trees, trees can make you it one of those. It. Well, the, it's, just, of. it's just the, the aforementioned talk about, you know, leaves and weeds. And you have to stay on this, you know, three or four times a week or you get behind and you're just, just screwed. So good luck. All right, dumbasses. Um, Okay, here's the headline for this deal, which I had yesterday but didn't get to. Dead body found inside dinosaur statue. Man's corpse was stuffed into a statue's leg. Now, this would imply that, um, as most people know, when the Pink Palace, who has changed their name, by the way, and or the zoo have those dinosaurs, they're not real. Because the real ones live on a remote island and refuse <laughs> to come over here to be any part of any shows. They just don't want to roll like that. But they have these statues and the things that move around and all that stuff. Police in uh, Barcelona, that's in Spain, made a horrifying discovery over the weekend. A dead guy inside a dinosaur statue. What a bad rush. Oh. The man's corpse was stuffed into the statue's leg which shows you how big these things are. A father and son that were playing in the area called police after they smelled a really bad stench. A hole was made in the statue, and a crane was somehow involved in pulling the body of this guy out of it. 39-year-old dude. Police say there is no evidence of violence or foul play. This is somebody almost 40 years old. The man's family had reported him missing hours before the body was found. They speculate that he somehow dropped his phone inside this creature. Then he fell in and hit his head while trying to get it back. Or that he climbed in to spend the night and ended up dead. Uh, Time out on the last sentence. Why would you crawl inside this thing to spend the night? Why would you cross a moat to try to feed monkeys at a zoo that's coming Uh, next (laughs) i i don't understand why he would he would do this anybody have any ideas i didn't think so yeah all right well we've seen the video of this idiot woman i i don't know what's wrong with people i mean there is a there's just a a palpable sense of this this haze of stupidity that is hanging over the world. I think that it is focused mainly 
on the U.S. of A. We all encounter people every day that we are, I mean, just baffled by how stupid they are. Just how they act, how they drive, how they treat people. It's just basic stupidity and just being an a-hole. Um, but this chick, she had to be in her teens, right, Sid? Maybe. Tell the story. Maybe it's, 20 it's just unbelievable. This woman decided that it would be fun, I guess, to go to the El Paso Zoo and not only climb through some bushes, drop down into a four-foot-deep moat, walk across the moat to the like next to the waterfall thing, and then try to feed the spider monkeys. Was she high she, on something? Not, no. I mean, I've seen the video. Not, I didn't. I wasn't hearing the audio. I just saw the video. Um, because I guess, you know, somebody captured it on camera and put it on social media. And that's how the zoo staff learned that she was doing this stupid stuff because it was on Instagram. Oh, God. And I mean, who? So apparently spider monkeys have moats around them at zoos because they're like 50 zoos. The zoo person says um, from El Paso that have spider monkeys. Well, because they have moats because they don't know how to swim and they're afraid of water or something like that. So they put oh. moats so that way they can put the fences to keep people out a little bit lower because the monkeys aren't going to go near the fence because they're not going to go near the moat. Well, I guess that that's why this girl thought, oh, well, this will be easy because the fence is low and I just, I'll just go and, you know, try to feed the God, idiot. They could have, <laughs> they could have bitten her and scratched her. I mean, this guy says they, they, um, what does he say? They they can scratch. They, I mean, obviously, they, like the zoo people at this zoo don't even interact with them unless there's something, a barrier in between them because they are so, they well, can be, they, you know, kind of maybe not dangerous, but they can be, they can scratch and stuff. Well, they kind of reached out, you know, at her, but they didn't cross that water to get to her to eat her face off, right. which they could have. Well, I know. Uh, but, but maybe they are scared of the water, but... She wasn't taunting them. She was just sitting there. She was sitting there. And there, there were two w- of them. Yeah. And they they wanted to get to her just to make her, you know, lunch. But somehow this, she got out of there and didn't get hurt. So. Which is amazing. Come but on, the, man. But, but luckily the zoo is pressing charges, as they should. Good. And well, I mean, it's the other part is that, every, you know, um, at that golf tournament this Sunday, um, this past Sunday, um, when you watch the watch the crowd uh, behind the golfer, and if it's somebody that is important and that 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 is a big name, all you see is phones up in the air getting a picture of this guy's shot. Or the, I mean, we are so dependent on these things, and we grab them for any reason to film somebody getting killed on the street, or in this case, this chick and the monkeys. It, it's this involuntary reaction. Grab that phone and get it on tape. It might go viral, and then and then I'll be important. No, then you're going to end up getting you know charged for this dumb act because you're a moron. But that's okay. Yeah, and yeah, and so this guy, the zoo guy, says, unfortunately, it may change everything because of this one lady's unfortunate actions. And what he means is not really a big fence being between you and monkeys because they're not going to cross that moat. But now, thank you, lady. We'll be even farther away from them. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't know. But Unbelievable. The point is, she's dumb. Who else has dummies? Wesley? I've got one here. Uh, you, you, Drake, get annoyed by your neighbors if they don't have their lawn neatly trimmed or cut. Right. I, yeah. I, I just okay. think it's just irresponsible and they're grown ups and some mow your freaking yard. Have you ever tried motivating them with fire like this guy? No, but that's my next step. <laughs> I, Cause I, you know, I don't care anymore and I have no, no care about repercussions. And so I may do that. Well, uh, this guy named Lee of Sioux city did that. He was mad at his neighbor Apparently didn't like how tall this guy's grass was getting. Story doesn't say if Lee's the type of guy who says it's been three days and your grass is now a quarter inch higher than mine that I cut yesterday, so cut it. Or if the neighbor is the type of guy who lets his lawn get like two feet high before mowing. Either way, Lee went over and asked his neighbor to mow his lawn. But more specifically, he asked, when are you going to mow it? And then tried yes. to take a registration sticker off one of their vehicles. This all captured on video. The next day, the neighbors hadn't mowed it. 
And since it seems like Lee doesn't have a, a, a micromanaging control freak homeowners association to go all Karen on, on his neighbor to, <laughs> he decided to just take matters into his own hands. And per the complaint in the story, Lee propped a bunch of sticks and plywood up against the neighbor's house, poured some <laughs> gasoline on him, and then set it on fire. Oh, my gosh. The neighbors um, were at home at the time. Mm. Another neighbor oh. saw this fire, banged on their door to let him know about it. The fire did get extinguished after causing about three grand in damages. And then Lee later admitted to all of this, saying that he had made a mistake. Maybe he's thinking yeah. he should have poured the gasoline mm-hmm. on the lawn. That's what I thought this was going to be. You know, but I I hate to admit that um, this kind of thing does perturb me to the point to where I might have set fire to the lawn, but not the house, <laughs> not the house, uh, and had no regrets because these people that just refuse to play by the rules and the just to, just to, you know the the uh, conventional uh, you know concept of a neighborhood and one that looks nice and. You're, but but you're the only one that won't won't mow the damn yard, and it's two feet tall. That's ju- that drives me out of my mind. It's none of my business. But then again, um, sometimes your um, you know sense of reason just goes away in a flash of anger. I wouldn't burn the guy's house down. I might set him on fire or the lawn, but <laughs> not that. the house. Not the house. No. That's gutsy. That's just too much. Yeah, now, <laughs> if you pour gasoline all over the lawn, won't it pretty much kill the lawn anyway? Then no one has to worry about mowing it at all? Ever. There is a, <laughs> there is a concept that I don't understand in agriculture, um, and I don't know why they do it, but somebody may email in, and we'll check those uh, tomorrow and some more, more stuff. Uh, but they will set fire to... Um, to ditches and to various places to burn off something. And I'm not sure what the answer is, hmm. but you see it. If you're on the road someplace, you can see these you know, yeah. ditches and the roadside things where they've been burned black. Cause and doesn't cause it what? make, doesn't it make the, doesn't it make that area richer when they plant the next maybe crop or something like maybe that? Maybe that's think. it. Yeah. I, I that, that, that might be it. You don't really see, you know, you know, many fields that are burned. But smaller areas, or it's also a hell of a way to avoid mowing your yard all summer. There's that. Uh, and it, and so it's like, a good bug so, killer. Yeah, <laughs> it does keep bugs away. Yes, uh, all that smoke. So if you're going to do it, do it in like you know late April, and then you're done with the yard till October or the next year, <laughs> while you're spending time in jail. So it'll all work out just fine. Back in the '70s, when we were children, uh, some of us uh, things was different. Life was not what it is today. We didn't even have cell phones, and I don't know how we ever survived this long. Okay, we had a home phone that rang and rang, and I guess the biggest upgrade to the phone in our homes in the you know in that time was getting a longer cord so you could mm. walk around the house about two miles and still talk on the phone <laughs> and call ID. Um, yeah, well, I remember that. We never had that stuff. Um, I guess that the biggest step forward was an answering machine. Yeah, that, um, that may have been that it. Was uh, huge, yeah. But anyway, um, that's when we that's when we we you know first learned to screen calls, or just ignore them um, and wait to see who had called, and then you go, oh okay, it's you. Need to rewind the um, little tape. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wild things that baby boomers grew up doing. I don't know if wild things is appropriate here but uh some things like your tv antenna with foil you know know, just trying to make that thing you know come in better or you know walking to school are totally lost on today's youth there are some unbelievable things that boomers did when they were kids i think that uh as i have watched advertising and been around it not really watched it i think that one of the most uh successful campaigns in the history of advertising was a public you know service announcement a a a, a PSA they're called safety belts this began in the 60s i'm guessing buckle up for safety buckle up was was this jingle that was on uh, tv all the time buckle up for safety we didn't wear seat belts Mm-mm. cars Nobody didn't have did. them did they yeah i don't know uh, they were thin and shabby and not very commonly used 
so kids were tossed around the car uh, with no, just, you know, uh, but they usually uh, survived all of that. But, but the seatbelt thing, I don't know exactly who made that a big deal, but somebody did, and it worked, and now it's just the automatic thing that you do. The idea of an airbag back then, please, that was no fun at all. This one here, I think, is more uh, probably applies to kids that grew up in bigger cities. Uh, fun with a fire hydrant. Turning on the fire hydrant. Mm -hmm. uh, that reminds me of the Godfather and that scene. Uh, but uh, we didn't really turn on fire hydrants um, back in those days. We had the hose, and that was about it. Uh, so you could get out there and uh, get the you hose out. And, and, and then I guess we eventually evolved into the slip and slide. And boy, oh, was that yeah. some fun. Um, so so uh, good times oh, there. Um, dinner with your family. That was one of the first yeah. signs of the end of the real family unit, I think. Um, you know, these days kids have, you know, homework and sports practice and chess clubs and God knows what else. But back in the day, no kid ever missed having dinner with the family. A great time to catch up on the day and bond with your parents and your siblings. But since most of your parents were divorced, you'd maybe do one one day and one next weekend with your, it's, you know, things aren't the same as they were. Uh, the water hose, the garden hose, we've already uh, discussed that. Mm -hmm. And it's not called water hose. It's called a garden hose. Unlike it's, it's, it's called a, a pen, not an ink pen. I Just hate in that. Case you wanted to and you, ink pen as yeah. opposed to what? All right. Um, a, a lead latch, pen? No, that's a pencil. Let, it's dumb. Blood. Latchkey kids. I don't remember this. Um, the phrase latchkey kid comes from the boomer generation. If your parents both worked, uh, they had to get you home somehow and keep you safe, even when they weren't there. So they'd come inside and lock the door with a latchkey. Sometimes a sibling would keep them company, but not always. So you had to come home and I guess they would hide the key for you or something. And then you, you, you could like, uh, you know, come in the house and you were a latchkey kid there with no parents to, to you know, watch you at all. Um, nothing in your house as a kid was child-proofed, baby-proofed. Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. But, oh, good Lord, there were things for every corner in the house. There were things to put in, you know, sockets. There was every kind of toy to make sure that your little angel did not get hurt. And they, I think, probably uh, didn't do much good. Uh, but to childproof a home, today is common practice. Once upon a time, babies roamed around at the same height as the outlets and the cabinets and the drawers. <laughs> and it was a, and probably the, you know, the, you know, bar and all that stuff. But uh, there were nothing, there was nothing there to be safe. Walking to school was a big deal. Yeah. I think I walked to school sometimes, usually through about eight miles of snow barefoot, but that's a whole, whole, whole different story. Um, gendered fun. Back in the day, toys were pretty much gendered to be for either girls or boys, but God forbid we even suggest that now. Uh, girls had dolls and dresses and boys were given baseball gloves and plastic cars. It was defined who was... Um, you know, made for each toy, a boy or a girl. But if you played with that stuff, you were mocked and it was a sign that you were about to be they or non-binary or whatever the hell the word is because you were probably showing signs of, well, uh, doing something that was likely highly inappropriate. Like if you were playing with your sister's Barbie dolls, warning signs went off everywhere. Um <laughs> Dare you not the, to confirm to conform to these societal roles that we have thrust upon you? Well, uh, earlier Wes talked about having army men, and so did my brother. And we yeah, played. I played with them and Stretch Armstrong. And I guess when I was little bitty, I had dolls because I remember having a baby alive, and you put water and make its disgusting food and feed it. But right after that, <laughs> I was I was with Stretch Armstrong, riding bikes, playing with army men. 
you know, I don't know, climbing trees. And then you found Rat and Billy Squire and go <laughs> right. to prison. So you evolved very well. Um, um, lead paint, okay. Mm-hmm. There's there's no lead in the in, uh, in in the paint these days. Unsupervised children. We were allowed to roam as long as we wanted to, until it was time to be home to eat. Or some neighbors had a bell, but we were allowed to go wherever we wanted to, in the woods, down to the creek, all over town. Which was not a, not you know it was there there wasn't that much to do, but. We were not supervised, and there was nobody with a chip in us to follow our every movement and so on. So those are just you know some of the things that are long, long gone. This is not Leave it to Beaver, and it will never be again. It has changed so <laughs> much. Um, I'm going to save these, these, these dumb appliances because it's, it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of stupid. Okay, wait a minute. A mini wine fridge. It. Well, let me see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way to make that one want to be listened to. Um, I think that the reason I said screw it is because I did I copied and pasted it and didn't go back to the front of it. All right, real quick. Okay. These are things that these people think are probably not in your home but should be. And I think that whoever did this is living uh, some kind of life that I'm not a part of. A stand mixer. I guess we have one of those. I don't know. Um, do you, Sid? I mean, what, you is, bake, what, is that, what does that mean? Oh, if you bake like it's the one of those that ones that you put the thing down in the thing and you. And oh, it, like uh, when I was in the restaurant business and we made pizza. Mixes stuff no, up. I, I don't yeah. have one, no. Okay, next. Um, a toaster oven. Nope. Well, we they have can a make toast, but they. I mean, why do you want one? Um, we have a toaster. Isn't that enough? Well, because you can fit like four things in there instead of just two. But ours is hand me down. We didn't we didn't buy it. But I mean, they're they're pretty cool. But I burn stuff in them. So you, you can make TV dinners <laughs> like a mother. Uh, let's see. Uh, skip that one. It's stupid. Um, a knife sharpener. Yeah, got we one. don't have enough room Hand on held, our. Yeah. We have no room for any more stuff on our counters, in this can opener thing. Certainly not. Who cares? A kitchen scale uh, no. to measure the cups in your quest for uh, no. Who's got one of those? We we well, actually re- we actually recently bought one because for what? Because my husband has started making like um, soups and stuff, and he he boiled the rest of some chicken to make our own chicken broth to then free seal and freeze for the next round of soup, and so he had to weigh it or something i don't know see what what i was going to say was smart drug dealers will keep theirs in the kitchen yeah Yeah. so that you know if they get you know busted and raided they can just that's that's for for soups and stuff like his husband does (laughs) yeah except it's tuned to weigh everything by gram which is the first dead giveaway we're Uh, very precise in our culinary soup making okay uh let's see here uh pressure cookers been around for years they were replaced, I think, by the Crock-Pot, which is, a, you know, just a fantastic thing to have. And now there are new Crock-Pots that crock faster or something. Uh, <laughs> a waffle maker. Why? They have Eggos. Why bother with this nonsense? Because they're so good when uh, you make them. Oh, we have one. They're solar so Eggos, man. It's the same thing. It's just, you know, convenience sake. A food processor. Do you mean a blender? We have a blender. Next. Um... A baby food maker. Yeah. We all have one of those. Um, it's called jars at the babies? store. <laughs> it's, it's called jars and a spoon. Eat it or go to bed. It's up to you. Um, a mini wine fridge. We have what? a thing called a refrigerator. And we have a case <laughs> where we put the wine bottles. A mini wine fridge. My aching. Um, but if you have like a nice outside little kitchen thing, or maybe it's cool, but yeah, maybe. these things to these things to me seem to be uh, um, unnecessary. Maybe I'm just too simple. But um, the ongoing uh, uh, support uh, this program concept is in play. We've explained this for the past week, but not not everybody is always you know tuned in. But uh, the idea is to support this program and the music 
and the content, uh, these podcasts, the ones that I do uh, separately from this and that Wes does, and Lawyer Bills. Um, you can go and click on the link on the Facebook page or the website, drakehallmemphis.com or the app, and make your uh, donation to support this thing and keep it. This, um, oddly enough, uh, isn't free for us. Uh, who knew? Uh, and so we uh, reach out like NPR does and like other people do. You support your favorite sports teams. You support a number of things in your life. And this is one of those things we hope that you will find um, the time and a way to support it. So the Facebook page, the website, and the app, you can support it right there. So we hope that you will. Let's carry on with the brand new Between the Grooves, about an hour and 20 minutes long. Some of the artists involved are Coldplay, Elton, as I mentioned, uh, Florence and the Machine, Tom Petty, Tony Bennett, and it goes on. So Wes will now intro that, <laughs> and then I'll be talking to you and playing you these songs, okay? Enjoy it, piano tunes on Between the Grooves um, right now on Drake Digital. <laughs> 